Hey, listeners, Rebecca Wilson here. And whether you're a vinyl enthusiast or you know almost nothing about the vinyl making process like me, but you really want to, you're going to love today's guest. Jennifer Eugenio works at a record pressing plant, and she's also the founder of the wildly popular Women in Vinyl. She's a bona fide obsessed record collector too. I swear, she has 50 versions of Black Sabbath's Masters of Reality. You're going to want to listen to this episode. We talk about the lowdown on how records are actually made, what jobs exist in the vinyl industry, and she also talks about how she set up the nonprofit back in 2018 that promotes the visibility of women in the record-making world. She's a complete artistic force of nature, and I think you're going to love hearing all she has to say. As always, thanks for listening. Here's Jennifer Eugenio. Welcome, Jen. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love Sound Girls. Oh, thanks. We are a big fan of your mission too. We share so much, it appears, from what I've been researching. Yes. Yeah. Where are you? I am based outside of DC. So I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, yeah. I know right where that is. I have two friends there. So great. We're both East Coast sharing friends. Yeah. So I guess today, what I really wanted to first start is is obviously your path because women in vinyl, we like to give a heads up on all the diverse ways that people get into audio or music or however. So I would love for you to start. I know I've done a little bit of research, but I'd love for you to go into how you ended up where you are in a job at a record press. Yeah, um, it's been an interesting journey for sure. So I guess my love of music has always existed. Uh, I used to dance, uh, ballet when I was young. And so I feel like my life has always had some sort of a soundtrack. But as I was growing up, there was nowhere that I felt there was a place for me in music because I didn't play an instrument. And when you go to the guidance counselor's office, they're never like, hey, how about these cool things to do? Oh, no, never. Math, no, never. doctor, and, right. lawyer. <laughs> right. And you know, it's funny because I always say like, now, had I known that I could cut lacquers or do something cool like that to help make music back then. Maybe I would have cared about math, but that wasn't my strong suit. And so I focused on art and I ended up going to college for textile design. And I actually used that. I used to design kids clothes for Target, Oshkosh, a bunch of Fortune 500 companies. And I got burnout. The new mom tends to like bunnies and bears and I couldn't do another (laughs) bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I could imagine, especially someone with, yeah, an art sensibility. Yeah. You know, you start drawing like aliens and they're like, uh, so. Maybe um, not. Let's go back to the design, (laughs) design drawing board on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up going back to the art college that I went to and I became a career advisor. And that's where I really found my passion for helping people. It was the most fulfilling job that I've had. And then I wanted to get out of Savannah. And so uh, my husband and I moved to Nashville and I started thinking, you know, he was working at a record pressing plant and I thought, I, I want to do something like that. And so Furnace Record Pressing up here in Alexandria opened their pressing plant and we moved home and I started working there. And it's been the perfect combination of my entire journey because I'm able to combine my knowledge of art and design to help people create their package. And I'm able to counsel them and help them create this thing that they're so passionate about 
to come to life. So it became the dream job I never knew that I wanted. And it was in music that was something I always wanted to do. Yeah. The back door. I always find the best things that feel that, you know, scratch the itch is is always through a back door. Yeah. So were you a collector of vinyl before you started working there? Or I think you are, right? I mean, I've heard you on other podcasts talk about your collection. (laughs) Yeah, I started collecting records in high school. Um, I went to this old dilapidated place because, you know, back then it wasn't the peak of vinyl. And so it was all vintage for the most part. Nobody was putting out new records really. And yeah, I started buying them and I loved them. Um, I loved the artwork and listening to them and my parents had records. So I sort of started moving them into my room from theirs. (laughs) 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 And then ever since, you know, I just, I can't stop. (laughs) Were you one of those kids that had like the speakers with the long cables into your room? I was that person. I dragged our entire like speakers till they were fine. I just like twisted the wires till I extended them into my room. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can see that with your uh, record collection. So at the plant that you work now, I would love to talk a little bit about, so you do branding there or are you actually working with the vinyl or could you give me just a kind of a top line of your exact job there? Yeah. So I'm the sales and customer experience manager. So I help on the front end to get everything set up for the job to succeed. So I collect audio, We submit that to the cutter, the plating facility, and then we also work with them on packaging. So whatever their dream is as far as how that output will look is, you know, we quote it and kind of give them advice on the best outcome for what they want. And just a precursor for this interview, I know very little about vinyl. So I'm going to ask all the questions that I hope our listeners would probably want me to ask because it's a really interesting foreign thing to me. So the first thing I would love for you to walk us through is how a record gets made. I mean, I know there's like some PVC involved, there's final involved. And is it mostly the record labels that are doing the orders? Or is it right now, is it mostly indie bands doing this? Or maybe just give me that whole story. Yeah. Well, everybody is putting out records. Okay. To right. the point to the point where as I'm sure you've heard, pressing plants are booked. So A lot of people, if they're considering putting out a record now, it's for 2023 for sure. And potentially into like quarter two or three of 2023. But so the basic process is we would collect audio that's mastered for vinyl, 24-bit wave, ideally. And then we submit those to a lacquer cutter. And you all have the fabulous Jet Galindo on Everybody, I'm sure, in Sound Girls knows Jet. So there are tons of great resources that she provides on the specifics of cutting. And so once that lacquer is cut, it's sent to an electroplating facility. And there they will put it in a bath, which does sciencey things. Um, And again, I would recommend checking out our podcast so that you can learn like the ins and outs. I don't want to confuse everybody right now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the molecules essentially create a duplicate and then that's created again and then you get your stamper which is a metal part that will go into the record pressing machine and so the record press uses the same technology that it's always used so heat steam water cycles and so the stamper goes into that machine which is filled with pvc or polyvinyl chloride and those pellets come in various colors and you can mix them or they could be black. And 
the machine creates a puck, which goes in between your stampers, and then tons of pressure press that puck into your record. It then comes out, is trimmed, and you have your finished piece. The labels are a misconception. A lot of people think that those are stuck on afterwards, but they actually are pressed into the record. So we heat them up beforehand. We actually bake the labels so that they don't explode. It creates a really cool effect, but not one that you want to play. No. <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm one of those people. I thought it was just like, oh, it's like a topical treatment of some kind. So it's really physically and scientifically baked into the record. So it never... And that's for probably um, playability so that it's level or what? Yeah, it's just all part of yeah, the pressure. Like So sometimes you'll get a double label and like if you'll see one that will like bubble and sometimes you can peel them off, sometimes you can't. But yeah, they, they're actually put into the machine and there's some pretty cool videos where you can see where they're like injected in and put on either side of the puck and then smashed down into it. That's cool. Another kind of interesting thing for anybody that was interested in putting out records that maybe people don't know is that we're just making copies of the audio. So there isn't a ton that we can do to the audio after it's in its stamper form. You know, we can adjust things like pops, ticks, stitching, sounds like that that are part of the vinyl pressing process, but levels and things like that. What does stitching sound like? So stitching is like little like tick type sounds over and over again. It actually looks like little like threads on the record. So if you hold it a certain way, it looks like little lines. There's also something called non-fill where depending on the heat, it could stick and you'll see like a little divot. And so things like that, like those are things that we can control in pressing. But a lot of other things that people hear with audios or levels, things like that are things that we won't be able to adjust for. And so that's like your reference disc. And then that, when it gets plated, all the grooves transfer to your to your metal plate. And so there's like a father, a mother, and stampers. And so that's ah. like the different plating methods of like one step, two step, three step that can get confusing and very involved. <laughs> so yeah. I'll Thank leave you. that for people to, to check out. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely appreciate that because I already learned so much. I, I knew very little and I purposely didn't research because I just wanted to ask from an ignorant standpoint. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I love explaining it because there's so much behind the scenes that's so cool. And that's what we love to do with Women in Vinyl is share how things are made and how it works because there's so much misinformation out there and we want to make it approachable for everybody so they can be excited about it. Like there's so much hand press stuff out there. Like hand press would be like half and half or splatter or all the kinds of cool effects that you see on Instagram, for example. And those are created one at a time and how are they made? And those are the kinds of things that we love to uncover. That's great. And Women in Vinyl has a podcast, which you are co-host or full host of? I co-host it with Robin Raymond. She is um, a lathe cutter in Canada. I think she's been on your guys' podcast too. So, Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cross-pollination there. So I guess a perfect segue into Women in Vinyl. So as far as that mission, if you can talk about how you came up with the idea you're giving women resources and representation in vinyl that is really very few and far between and 
in public media. So I appreciate that. But I, I really also want to hear how it's going. I mean, the site, everyone check out the site. It's womeninvinyl.com and it's got tons of stuff, um, podcasts and resources and all that. But I do want to hear the story of how it came to you. Yeah. So I started working at the record pressing plant and I started seeing how many women were working behind the scenes from the VP at Furnace to Karen Kelleher at Gold Rush, who opened her own pressing plant, or Erica of Erica Records. And I'd never heard about them before, you know? And I mean, people like Jet, who are mastering and doing things for amazing people, and you just don't hear about them. And so that was a shame to me because had I, again, had I known about that in high school, maybe that was something that I would have followed through on trying to do. And at the same time, there was this meme going around on Instagram that made me insane. It was of a 1950s couple and the guy's holding a record talking about whatever cool variant it is. And his wife is knitting and basically saying that she could care less. And every single person was reposting this thing. It was everywhere. <laughs> it was everywhere. And it was bugging me because I was just like, but I'm, I'm like the guy. I mean, both my partner and I, he and I both love records and we have these conversations about them. I have 50 copies of Master of Reality by Black Sabbath, like, (laughs) because I want to, I want to know about all the cool things. And so I was like, this is just such a bad representation of women. And so I thought, why don't I showcase women who are doing cool things in the vinyl industry? Because there isn't representation for vinyl specific jobs out there. And what a fun thing to do. So I just created an Instagram account and a blog and started reaching out to people that I worked with, different clients at labels or whatever, and asked if they would do it. And it grew from there. And then last year, we were able to officially get our nonprofit status and we created a board. And so now we're able to start raising funds, which is really the goal is to get the educational aspect involved. That's brilliant. So you're fully 5013C. That's that's no small feat from what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> and and there is a place that you anybody can make donations on your site, I see. And I'd love to also just acknowledge this under the resources, the um, history of women in vinyl industry. It's calling to be a documentary, what you have up there. You Thank really, you. <laughs> who, who did you research that and find all that? Yeah. For this past International Women's Day, I really wanted to do something more. So I started looking at different resources and trying to find different, again, vinyl-specific things because there's all of these great things that come out every year on Billboard and various resources and websites, but none of them talk about vinyl. So it's like, we can have great music, but we're all consuming it on vinyl and nobody's talking about who's making it. (laughs) That's right. It's totally ignored. Yeah. So it is, it's a really beautiful spot on your site. I, I did especially love that. It's called the Her Story of Women in the Vinyl Industry. So then I guess as far, what year did you guys start? How many years have you been going? When was the Instagram page? <laughs> <laughs> it was 2018. And so that's when it all started. And then truly the 501c3 thing was like what took me forever. Because I was just, you know, plugging away, trying to make this a thing and that because I am an artistic person, was so daunting to me. (laughs) I was like, I don't know about all this. So 
Finally, though, it was time. It was starting to get noticed. And it was something that I'd always wanted to do. And people were approaching about different opportunities. And I felt like the education piece being so important to me, I needed to just get it done. So it's great. We actually just had our first submission form type thing, which was great. Like our first actual, like we were helping somebody do something, (laughs) which to me was very exciting. And so, uh, yeah, Making Vinyl was offering a ticket to their industry insider event coming up in June. It was our first thing where we took submissions on why people felt like they should get this ticket and be able to attend this event because it's not something really that you attend if you're not within the industry. And so we were able to choose someone that we're helping now to go and learn about different avenues within the vinyl industry. So in a perfect world, if someone came up to you with like a $6 million check, where would you see women in vinyl spending that money and who and how would it be helping? So I would want it to go to organizations like Beats by Girls or students that want to go to DJ school or women that want to learn how to lathe cut and they want to go to to the lathe camp or you know, to give someone that doesn't have the money to go to school for audio engineering, to give them that, that platform to be able to go. So really it's truly education-based and coming from my career advising background and being able to marry those two is really exciting for me. So yeah, I'm hopeful for where it will go. That's great. I love the mentoring aspect of anything. It's so important, especially when there's very few role models that when somebody finds a community that they can talk to. It's just your professional life can just go through the roof. Exactly. Yeah. You want to see people like you, you know, know that you can do it. And so that's what is exciting. We also started something recently, kind of to that point where what we were finding in our podcast and our interviews is it was hard to touch on some of the subjects that we really want to touch on because people are in these positions and it can be a scary thing to say, I was, you know, not given this salary because I'm a woman, or I feel like someone treated me a certain way because I'm a woman. So we recently started these anonymous posts and they are a hundred percent truly anonymous and people can find it on our site. And basically, yeah, you can go on and it's like that old book where you could like write a letter to someone completely anonymously and they'd publish it. So it's that people can share their struggles. They can share like exciting things. So we've had people say like, I've wanted to DJ for so long and I finally signed up to do it. And we're sharing those completely anonymously. No IP addresses, nothing. Like we have no idea who the people are, but we're sharing them out for everyone on Instagram. And so that's been really fun to see. That's great. Do you see that there's a certain aspect of vinyl making that a lot of people are attracted to? Is there one particular vein? Is it like lathe cutting? Is there anything that's sort of the superstar of the process that a lot of people gravitate towards? People really are interested in DJing. I think that that's kind of an easy touch point and an exciting touch point because you're getting to be with people and get people excited about music. So I see, you know, that as being a really popular avenue in vinyl DJing specifically, especially because vinyl is being released again and easier to get format. But as far as like the technical side of things, I think lathe cutting is is interesting and something that people are gravitating towards because it's an expensive entry, but it's accessible and it's something that you can go and learn and do on your own and open your own studio. And I think that has a kind of exciting side of it as well. I mean, pressing itself 
is awesome. I mean, learning the ins and outs of that is really exciting. I think the thing that maybe doesn't make it as popular, I guess, would be that it is a manufacturing job at the end of the day. So Mm. you're on your feet, it's hot, you're working through these issues on a machine. So while you're creating something really cool, there's a specific person, I think, that would gravitate more towards that. So for me, I mean, working with artists for a long time, it was funny. I absolutely did not hear the word vinyl for like seven or eight years in many of the artists that I worked for. And then it just seems like it was an avalanche of all of a sudden people are, oh yeah, we're putting out on a vinyl. I'm like, what? You're going vinyl? <laughs> I mean, I just had, didn't hear it. I mean, I knew that there were audio files that collected and it was a huge, cool, ultra artistic thing. But why do you think and when did it, the resurgence sort of happen for vinyl in, into mainstream distribution? I think a lot of people credit DJs for keeping vinyl alive because mm. there are plants like United Record Pressing and Erica that did survive through the dip in sales. Record Store Day, I think, is really what brought it back to the forefront because they were celebrating the record stores and that was part of people's communities. And those communities then started seeing other communities celebrating. And then, you know, when you have Metallica sign on to be like, this is awesome, you know, that that really, you know, wakes people up to it. And I think in a world that became so digital, the fact that you can have this tangible thing becomes more important. And so it feels more like a treasure as something that is more precious, I guess. So I think that that is why it has kind of stuck around. And I mean, of course, everybody says it sounds better. I'm one of those people that prefer it. But during the pandemic is when things really got crazy because everyone was home and people weren't just buying and putting a record on whenever. They were listening to records constantly. And so the demand became such that nobody could keep up. And then with supply chain on top of that, having a bunch of issues there, it just is now crazier than ever. (laughs) You know what I love about it is even though you have to flip it once, it's still the experience that artists I know from working in studios, it's such an experience top to bottom. And it really feels like we've become this single-based, released culture now. And I'm not sure when it happened or why. I still don't... I have never listened to singles. In fact, when I date someone, that's one of the first things I ask them. I go, I ask them, (laughs) do they love listening to a record top to bottom? Are they one of those people that loads up their playlist with all the singles? Like, and then I just wait. (laughs) I wait. And it matters. It matters. I'm like, oh my God, you're a singles guy. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, I get it. I met my husband in a record store, so. (laughs) All hot guys are there. (laughs) Actually, hot people, I'm just saying. Anyway, but uh, yeah, in record store culture, it's, I think you touched on that too. It was one of those things that, at least for me, I'm 48 years old, that I saw Borders books go out and I was like, oh my God, you know, bookstores are leaving yeah, and small bookstores go out that are even cooler than Borders, but just all that stuff. And the record stores, I was always just checking. I would go down the block in Brooklyn and be like, is that place still there? Right. Because I just wanted to be sure because it is so connected to community, like you said. Yeah. Like when Tower Records closed, like I remember oh, that. I, <laughs> I was like, go get all the CDs because I mean, that's what was popular. And it was, yeah, it was closing even then. I mean, that's wild to think about now. 
isn't it? And just the artwork, like you said, and what the importance of that and, and having it not be a thumbnail that I'm looking at on right. a device that's the size of my three fingers. You know, it's so <laughs> small. And to just really, you feel so much more connected. And the lyrics sheets, instead of looking on a tab, it's just, yeah. it's just so meaningful. And, um, and all the people involved. Yeah, the jobs and, yeah. and the artists. Yeah. So it's funny. I was a little bit tentative to have our interview because I know nothing about record making, but it's kind of made me want to go and, and maybe get a record player. So can we talk <laughs> about that? Sure. What would you suggest if somebody wanted to go get, and they had a good pair of speakers already? Yeah, I mean, I think starting with an Audio-Technica or you know a U-turn if you want something a little bit prettier are great places to start because there's a lot of upgrades on where you can go from there. So if you really get into it, that would be a good starting point where you're not breaking the bank. Um, Techniques, the um, 1200 turntable, like the one I have behind me, they're releasing a new, um, I think it's 50th anniversary set. They're stunning. They're a little pricier, but they will last you forever. <laughs> so, and say someone's going in to buy a turntable, what are the questions that you want to ask? I mean, is it about the needle? Is it about the motor? Is it like, what's really important? Well, you want to know if it's a direct drive or a belt drive, because that will be important to you later on how you change your speed, knowing that there are speeds, because that was a whole fun thing with the Taylor Swift record that came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Can you tell that story really quick? Yeah. So when the Taylor Swift record came out, it was 45 RPM. And I guess it wasn't listed on the labels. And so a bunch of people thought that a man was singing and they were very upset and confused <laughs> about what was going on. So I'm glad that people explored and learned that their turntables have settings. Um, yes. <laughs> and when you... It was amusing, but I don't want to put anybody off. Like it's not, you know, like that's the thing, right? Like I want to welcome everybody in. So if you're starting right. with a Crosley, start with a Crosley, but know that if you really want to appreciate the records more or get into it further, maybe the Audio-Technica or somewhere like that is a better place to start. But yeah, so belt drive, direct drive, belt drive. If you're changing your speed, you have to actually adjust a rubber belt and so it can just be a little bit more cumbersome. So I think that's something to know. And then if it has a preamp or not, like if you need speakers, that's something important to, to know off that. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, I think, you know, aesthetic choices, a lot of these come with needles already. And there's a lot of great resources. Actually, the Vinyl Factory has one of my favorite resources, like the things you need to know but are too afraid to ask about how to set up your turntable. I think it's fantastic because especially this kind of stuff are things that people feel like they need to know and are afraid to, to talk about or ask somebody about because of that barrier of entry feeling. So yeah, those are really great resources. And I think that's a, probably a good starting point. Thank you. So what's next for women in vinyl as far as, is there anything we should be watching for or is there any new website additions or anything cool that's coming up podcast wise? Well, we're currently on our podcast summer break, but we're coming back in the fall with some all new resources. We want to start doing something that are like vinyl mysteries, which I think will be fun if we can get some people involved in that where 
because there are so many different variants and different things with records, like different, I mean, people find notes, bank statements, letters, all kinds of stuff in records. Like we want to have some fun and uncover some mysteries of, of things people maybe find. You mean when they get the record, they like open it up and there's someone's personal things in there? Oh yeah. There used to be, I don't know if it still exists, an Instagram account that's like called Things Found in Records. And it's like vintage old used records and things that people have found in them. There's all kinds of cool stuff. But we think it would be a fun segment to kind of uncover some some things and, and do some fun stuff like that, like who mastered it if you can't find that out or whatever. Oh, that's great. And then we have a couple of really exciting partnerships coming up. So those should be announced hopefully early, mid next year. And then now again, since we're nonprofit, we're really looking to do more partnerships and and help people get into this industry. So hopefully we'll have more happening there soon too. How do you even have time for your record plant press job? (laughs) (laughs) And do this. (laughs) It is a lot. I talked to Carrie um, from Sound Girls actually about advice she had and things like that because it is, it's a lot of work. But I think at the end of the day, like this is so fulfilling that you want to do it. And so it's not, it doesn't feel like work. The return, you know, seeing people so excited and having this place to connect is, is awesome. So yeah, I'm tired, but I, (laughs) I wouldn't change it. (laughs) I know what you mean. It gives you energy to do the other jobs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, as our final, I always ask the last question, which is perfect for you is what is a recommendation that you can give that's a full length album top to bottom that you'd love? (laughs) If I didn't say this record, people would think something was wrong with me. So I'm just gonna... (laughs) (laughs) And anybody that knows me already knows what it is. So my favorite record is Black Sabbath's Master of Reality. I've heard you talk about it a lot. (laughs) You you love it. I love it. I have, that's, yeah, I have 50 copies of it. I have them because I noticed that one of them I had was different from another one. It sounded different and I wanted to know why. I had, you know, the regular Warner Brothers edition. And then when my husband was working at the record store, there was a Vertigo copy. And so that was like the original 70s version of it. And then the Warner Brothers 70s version, and they sounded different. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And then I started getting some other versions, like there's the Japanese one, and that one is even more clean sounding. So I'm like, why is this happening? (laughs) And then, you know, 50 copies later, I'm still investigating. I have a project that is not as in the forefront of everything else because of time, but it's called Mistress of Reality. And it's a Instagram account where I'm actually like researching these and figuring out why they were made and how they were made. And so, yeah, it's a... It's a great record. That also sounds like a documentary that I would watch. (laughs) We need to make them happen. (laughs) That's right. Do it. Do it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. And listeners, if you want to find out more, go to womeninvinyl.com. There's also a jobs board on there, which I perused and found really interesting. And by the way, your graphic layout is beautiful because of you and your aesthetic. It's stunning. (laughs) And... um, I'm wishing you all the best with Women in Vinyl. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I really appreciate that. 
At Soundgirls, our mission is to inspire and empower the next generation of women in audio and music production. We provide you tools, knowledge, and support to further your careers. And we do it because we care. So follow us on Instagram at SoundgirlsPod, and you can find a huge amount of info on upcoming workshops and job resources at soundgirls.org. Looking for more audio-related podcasts? Check out our friends at the Audio Podcast Alliance. To see all of the other podcasts in the Alliance, make sure to visit audiopodcast.org. The executive producers of the Sound Girls podcast are Becky Campbell and Susan Williams. This episode was produced by me, Rebecca Wilson, and edited by Robbie Mortimer. Our theme song was written and recorded by Jess Fenton. And we send a big thank you to our sponsors, QSC, who, like Sound Girls, also wants to help empower you with the right tools, support, and service to help you create impactful connections. Find out more at soundgirls.org and qsc.com.